0: Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you alone have I done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth into iniquity. In my mother's womb was I, uh, in my mother's womb, uh, did uh, in sin did my mother conceive me. Sorry. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and take not, take uh, and take not your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold a willing, uphold uh, me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach my, I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from this blood guiltiness. in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in the whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered. Uh, will be offered on your altar. This is the word of God. And everybody said, "Amen." I. Uh, I struggled whether to bring this psalm to you. I really did, um, but as I, it's it was such a pivotal psalm, a pivotal psalm for me. Um, but it's not necessarily a psalm that you want when you're tired and worn out and you're bummed out right like and so that's why I kind of struggled through it especially getting to know you all and hearing a lot of your stories and you know having you interact I, I really did struggle until um I remember like man I told this really great story about how you know I was liberated from cancer and like wow this is such a great story and um And then how I felt like, man, God was, you know, showing me something about myself. And I really felt like I was confronted in that moment two years ago. And so in January 2020, my January 2020 starts with, like, I got to take care of myself. I got to, like, I've been doing all this work with my counselor. Like, I really have addressed the trauma that's happened in my life. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get after this. I'm going to do it right. And so I, I, made help, I went to my church, and they were so great, and they made some adjustments with me, and then COVID hits. And as a result of COVID, my church, at the time that I was at, made a decision to essentially um, remove me from the departments that I was running and remove kind of direct reports from me. I was so angry. I mean, angry. Angry. Like, how dare you? How could you do this to me? I've sacrificed all that, And my wife kept saying, no, 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 this is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I was like, no, this is not a good thing. I am angry. I'm hurt. I'm offended. This is not a good thing. How dare you? And something inside of me started to get exposed. Like God had revealed something to me. I felt it so deeply. He had showed me Look, look where your value lies. And I was like, I see it. I know it. But all it took was that insecurity to start rising up again. Somebody to touch on it. Like, you don't matter. You don't exist. And all of a sudden, I want to fight. And guess what? I fought. I fought really hard. And then uh, uh, Suresh, who's the president of Harvest India, the organization that I I was telling you uh, about that I went and visited, he's been a spiritual mentor to me for about 12 years. And I called him. I'm like, I'm so hurt. So angry. What do I do? And he said this. Jeff, I'm going to use my Indian accent because I know. Jeff, I believe what God is calling you to do is to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) God is calling you to shut up. You're talking too much. You're thinking too much. And he was right. I needed to shut up. And I needed to listen to what the Lord was trying to convict me of. This psalm intersects at that period of my life. And I realize I know the problem, but I'm not yet repenting through it. I'm not really diving into what's going on. So sorry, not sorry for bringing this because I really think it's a linchpin in the next steps in your walk with the Lord that he might be calling most of you in. Because most of us would say, I think I know something's going on and I know this heaviness that's going on, this burden that I'm wearing, but I just keep hitting this lid. And I go, I go, okay, it's fine, everything's gonna work out, it's gonna be okay, just get through it, right? And then something happens organizationally or in your youth group, and then right back around, right? Right, this cycle of dysfunction that continues to happen in our souls David is trying to help us understand that. And he's trying to understand how to break the cycle because here's this shepherd boy that was never supposed to be the king. And all of a sudden, he's the greatest warrior in the land. He ends up becoming a vagabond. He then becomes the king. The the Ark of the Covenant returns into Jerusalem he starts dancing with his clothes off, right? Like it's, I mean, just overjoyed, the presence of God is here with us once again, right? And just a few chapters later, he's observing this woman on a balcony and then he has an affair with her and then he murders her husband and now she's pregnant and he's just continuing on with his kingship. I guaranteed you David knows something's wrong, but it's like, it's okay. And he just keeps moving forward. He just keeps moving forward. And all of a sudden it takes the prophet Nathan who comes to him and says, let me tell you a story. Which is what I did with you today. Let me tell you a story. And I have a feeling that it's a lot of our stories. Tell you, let me tell you the story about this poor man and this rich man. And then the rich man takes the poor man's sheep and David just loses his mind. I'm coming after this guy. And Nathan says, it's you. It's you. And so out of that, a deep repentance comes into David's heart and he gives us this beautiful psalm. And he's helping us try to recognize what's really going on in our souls. But what do I do next? Because I can't keep living in this cycle. And your souls know it, right? Your souls know that I keep hitting this lid. I keep repeating the same problems. Something has to change. And the centerpiece of this psalm, which is where we'll spend our time this morning, is in verse 10. Where he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. He's confessed his sin. He's asked for the mercy of God. He recognizes where his sin comes from. He he takes complete ownership over it. He tells us what God really wants as opposed to what we think we want. And then he comes to this precious passage that most of us are aware of. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I have this buddy, his name's Barth, he's a, a orthopedic surgeon, <clears throat> and uh, he like for a living like breaks people's bones, right? And, I, I, and so I, I asked him this question, I just said, hey, do you ever feel bad for like breaking someone's arm? Like, he, he literally, like people will come in and he has to re-break their arm and set it into place. It creates immense amount of pain physical therapy, it's awful. And he said, no, I don't ever feel bad about breaking someone's arm. And I'm like, well, why? Because I have to set it right in order for them to be okay, in order for it to work right. And I said, do people ever try to fix it on their own? Absolutely, all the time. He goes, there are people who will break their arm and try to like take two pieces of two by four and wrap it with some duct tape. And then all of a sudden they're arms all quirly and their nerves aren't working and their fingers aren't working, right? And so they come into him. They're like, something's not right. He's like, you broke your arm and you tried to fix it yourself. So he has to go back in. Orthopedic surgeons are savages. They like snap and saw. And he has to reset that thing. And it takes so much time. Do you ever feel bad for breaking people's arms and resetting it? No. Because it's actually merciful that I'm breaking their arm. It's actually merciful that I'm setting the bone back. Otherwise, it'll completely make the arm useless and they'll continue to have nerve damage. And and I think we have this perception of mercy that it's just lollipops and rainbows, right? It's just mercy, mercy's painful. Merciful things, like Barth is a doctor and his merciful action is to break a bone. You remember, like, he says in this psalm, like, I want to remember joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Create in me a clean heart. Set back into place that which has been broken. Hosea 6.1 has been one of my key passages for the entire pandemic and is today this, and I think it's so important for the church right now to hear this verse. come. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down or broken our bones so that he can bind us up. That sounds traumatic, but he's saying, no, 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 it's healing. It's a healing process that needs to happen. Mercy is beautiful, but it is painful, David is experiencing the mercy of God through repentance, and it's hard, and it's heavy, but we have to right frame the way we think about mercy. Mercy can be painful at times, but it's the right kind of pain. You know, I grew up in a church, and uh, you were talking about your church experience in our circle, and I was taught that God loathed me, not loved me. He was just constantly angry at me. That was constantly disappointing him. And so the idea of mercy for me, and even when we hear this, I, I didn't even connect with. But on, the honesty of this level of mercy for me is so beautiful. I need it because it is a God who is lovingly setting the soul right. But it's hard because I have to see myself. I have to deal with myself in the midst of a holy God I have to address that. I have to deal with that. And so what is needed? We need a clean heart and a right spirit. This is what is being, what David is asking. This, if this is off, it's all gonna be off. And that's what's happened with David. It all got off. His heart got off. Like Proverbs says, guard your heart because it affects everything you do. And I think all of us in here can say, I can see how my heart has been sideways and how I've, it's directed my life and how it's hurting other people. David's going like, I see that now and I'm asking for a clean heart and I need a right spirit, this thing that's directing me and listening to what God is directing me to do. It's, it's off and I, I need a right spirit in me. And honestly, if we look at Christianity, like popular Christianity culture, Like if we look at celebrity Christianity right now, we can see how this is failing all over the place, right? People that are just like our culture and even Christian culture look up to have just completely failed. Why? Because they cared more about the affirmation of people than they cared about their souls. And God was bringing a breaking to them. And by the way, for many of them, is breaking them. Not because he's angry, but because he loves them. His mercy is fracturing them so that he can mend their wounds. It's a beautiful thing that we all need to come with because he says, I need you to renew those things in me. I need you to renew a right spirit in me. That literally means translated in the Greek, I need you to repair it. I need you. You are the one that's gonna fix it. I've tried so hard to fix it. I mean, there's enough self-help books out there. There's enough pain medication and antidepressant medication that can help you. And there's enough alcohol And marijuana out there to help you just survive through whatever traumas you've gone through. But what if we invited the Lord to repair it? This is what David's saying. All these other things. Sex with Bathsheba did not fix it. Only you can repair this. And I need you to repair it, to make it new, to set it back into place. And we need to kind of come to this moment where you're like, there's some stuff off. When the reason why I tell you that story in the front end, stuff was still off. I still hadn't woken up. I still hadn't dealt with the deep levels of insecurity. I hadn't dealt with the fact that actually positional authority, it means a lot to me. And that was taken away. And so when it was taken away, I felt like I was taken away. Corey and I would sit in his backyard and just have these long talks. And we'd find ourselves... Repenting in the midst of those talks. Because I was like, something's not right and it needs repaired. And so that's why in verse 11, we can easily make this transition where he says, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Well, I think one of the most terrifying passages in all the Bible, in my opinion, is Romans 1 24 and 25. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart, to impurity to the dishonoring of their body among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And what I realized is God loves us so much, he releases us. He never lets us go, but he releases us. Like he stands at the door and he knocks but he's not, kicking the, he's not an FBI agent kicking in the door and going, I'm compensating all of this. I'm coming to get you, right? No, 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 no. He already did that through Jesus. And he releases us into our sin, to our own free will. And by the way, I thought free will is like the worst idea ever. It's the worst idea ever. No, tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. And he's like, I am, but you're not listening. We want him to micromanage us. And he's like, no, if you want positional power and that's going to be the desire of your heart, okay, Jeff, let's see where that goes. And I love you. And it grieves his heart. But if you want to go down that road, you can go down that road. Oh, you want affluence and influence? You want to go down that road? He lets us go down that road. The prodigal, the father lets the son go. And to a Jewish audience, that is the most offensive thing that they could have ever heard. No, you don't let him go. You can kill that kid. No, 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 no. You tell him, get back on the farm, you shut your mouth, and you get to work. No, no, no. He lets the son go. He releases him to the desires of his heart. David is realizing that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And that's why he says, cast me not away from your presence. Like the, the best part in the prodigal son, I love this part in the prodigal son. It says this, and he, he's in the pig pen, and he came to his senses. That's soul talk. That's him sitting in a pig pen going, something's not right. How did I get here? You ever feel that way? How did, how did I get here? How did I start thinking such crazy, irrational things? How did I make everyone else the problem and, and not me? And then you come to your senses. And what happens when you come to your senses? You start repenting. You start saying, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. The thing I hear from people and leaders more and more and more and more is I just don't feel God. I just don't hear from him anymore. And we're going like, God, this is a you problem. And God's like, no, I'm knocking at that door. There's nothing I want more than to come in and have a meal with you. By the way, when we get back to that Psalms 23, this banquet table, that's what we're talking about. This banquet table with him, where it's like all these enemies are all around him. We're like, man, it's just Jesus and I are just chilling here and have some food. It's crazy out there, right? But, but it's just him and I, and we're just talking, and he's feeding me, feeding my soul. But we lose sight of that. We're losing sight of that, and we say, I just don't feel God anymore. And David's saying, I miss as a result of this abandonment as this a result of running away I miss your presence I miss your spirit and we just need to get there we need to be honest with why we have that dissonance it's not god it's us and the thing the hard work is what we talked about last night getting to that core issue, asking the question, what is really going on inside me? David knows. And he's repenting all the way through this psalm about what's going on and what's created this lid. And all of a sudden, he sees his depravity and he's like, oh my gosh, I have abandoned the Spirit's influence on my life. I don't sense the presence of God the way I want, and I want it back. Take me back and what we know through scripture as a result of what Jesus did his death and his resurrection is that nothing hear this nothing can separate you from the love of God nothing no sin is too great to separate you from the love of God and maybe your heart and your soul is just craving that but we got to get to a point where we actually start dealing with what's going on inside of us those pains those insecurities We had this beautiful group that was sitting over here that just opened up their hearts and their souls. And it was so amazing to hear people talk about pains and hurts, their stories. Each of you have a story. Some of them really beautiful, some of them really hard. Those pains, those hurts have caused us to take our minds off of the Lord and place them on circumstance. And David's drawing us back to the presence of God, the spirit of God. That's what I crave. That's what I I need. And then he gets to verse 12. Uh, Verse twelve, restore to me the joy of my salvation, the joy of my salvation, the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. The joy of what it is to be a Christian. I'm telling you this. I've never been more exciting, excited to be a Christian than right now. Like, this is so beautiful. Of all the time in church history. God picked you and me right now to serve in a pandemic. To serve as people are ripping theology left and right. When you're trying to go, what does youth ministry even mean? What is it like? How do I do this? He went, you're the people. You're the people, right? To find a joy in that calling, that commission, that salvation that he gave you right now. It's you right now that he put you. Guess what? There were dudes that were writing stuff back in the early church, right? That were being murdered by Nero, and they're going joy. We got to we got to show our culture joy in suffering, right? It doesn't make any sense, but the joy of our salvation leaks out. And I, I got to be honest, like get, I'm on my soapbox right now, but I'm saying this. I am so tired. Hear me say. I understand I have so much mercy for all the pain and the hurt and the suffering that has happened during this period of time. This is a time of opportunity. There are people that are hurting and Christians have now been exposed. The church has been exposed. Praise be to God. We are faking has been exposed. The culture has called us out. Praise be to God. Be to God. Let us renew the joy of our salvation. What it means to serve Jesus without massive inflated budgets. To serve Jesus without a ton of staff. <laughs> what does it look like to just serve him because we love him and we it's him and him only, like a deer that pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Like we get to lead this way right now, because all this stuff's being fractured and broken. And what is the call of our hearts? Come, let us return to the Lord. He's the one that's going to do the work. The joy of our salvation is what David's like, I want that back. I need that back. You know, I find in this period of time over the last decade, what's really interesting to me is that people watch these home improvement shows like Crack. Like it is Crack cocaine. And people watch them on repeat. I mean, if I'm a TV program thing, I'm going, this is the greatest day in the whole world because this is low-hanging fruit. I just have to go, something's broken, and somebody comes along and goes, hmm, maybe if we add some uh, uh, shiplap, and maybe if we do like and everyone's like, oh my gosh, shiplap, that's what we're missing in our lives. And then right, we need to go antiquing, because antiquing, we have take the old and make it new, and everyone's like, it's great. And Joe and whatever his name is, they, they reveal it, and everyone goes, ah, Right? And our souls something inside of our souls are like, oh, I just want more of this. What? Cars that are broken? Restore it. A house? Restore it. Right? They've got containers? Restore it. Right? Everything right now is restore. And we love it. You know why? It's an archetype. For what our souls are craving. We watch those shows and there's something inside of us that goes, I want that. I want that. I want to feel that way. I feel that broken, beat-up barn. I feel that way. And boy, oh boy, when Joe gets in there and just, you know, magnolia magic dust, (laughs) and we all go, because something inside of us feels the same way. We're like, I want that. This is what David's saying. I don't want you to just repair it. I want you to restore it. I want to come back to my first love. I've I've just prostituted myself out to all these other things to popularity, to position. I just want my first love. And you need to restore that in me because it's been broken. I've been the shepherd boy that's now this king. And I don't even know who I am anymore. Take me back to the fields. Take me back under the stars where I sat there in wonder of a God who was so above but so near. Restore it all. Take what feels so broken and make it new. And his promise is I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that for you. And we don't need just repair. We need a full restoration, and repentance is what leads us to that restoration. Repentance is such a beautiful gift. It's living in the mercy and and responding to it. Have mercy on me, O God. Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people that are of the same disposition. Woe is me. And what happens? A coal is being placed. Mercy. It's painful. And he's new. This is what we're being called into. But are we resisting the mercy in order to just kind of continue on in this world that's not real? And our souls know it. And David knows it. And his cravings that he's telling us through this psalm are what our soul needs to hear. It's what I needed to hear. The joy of of our salvation. My wife and I went away. We've been married, we'll be married for 23 years this year. Pretty awesome. And uh, for our 15 year anniversary, it was the first time that she and I had ever gone away just by ourselves. And we went to, because we went to Maui, which is where all great things happen. So we we went to Maui and it was like seeing her again for the first time. But it was weird. Like the first two days were like super weird. Like are we supposed to like hold hands? We, like what was it, you know, like, can I kiss you on the mouth? I don't know how this, I mean, like, what What am I supposed to do here? You know, like, um, because we just got, so, you know, we had, I got married at 21, had a baby at 22, kind of like what Corey was saying, and just like started jamming. And when 15 year anniversary, I'm like, I'm not even sure I really know. I started living my life. She did her life. It's not like we didn't love each other. We just didn't know each other. This is what he's saying. Come back to the joy of your salvation. Do you remember when you met Jesus? Do you remember what it was to hear the word of God and be like, every sermon is for me, right, every song you're like, (laughs) oh right, that's the joy of your salvation, that's the joy of what it is to be in, to know who he is, to be known by God, and just like, what happened to where the word of God just became normal, the joy of our salvation, this craving, and I mean, my wife and I had these great talks, we like saw each other, and I was like, I love you so much, she's like, I love you too, and I don't want to live like this. And I don't want to live like this. And union, that's what happened. Consummation, that's what happened. That's what he's inviting us into. This is what David's craving, that joy, that renewal, that commitment to one another. And what does he need uplifted? He needs his spirit to be uplifted. And what kind of spirit does he want? A willing one. And I think that's the, what I would say for us. Do you have a willing spirit? You got to ask God for it—a willing spirit to receive this mercy, and be restored into these beautiful things: a new heart, a new spirit, a joy in your salvation, a connecting with the Spirit that you deeply desire. You will ministry will suck you dry unless you find this. You will continue to hit the lid spiritually unless you find that secret place, which is what he says early. You want. You meet me in this, my inward being, in the secret heart. That's where he wants. Take some time, be alone, but know that the mercy of God covers a multitude of sins. I went, I went to a soccer game. I, I don't ever. My son goes to Grand Canyon University, and so. Um, some friends of ours, who are our big soccer people, they invited us to this soccer game, and uh, so we go to this soccer game. I'd never been to one before. It's a beautiful stadium, but so they're they're playing, and GCU played like this epic game. I mean, it was crazy. Like the goalie was like, it was like watching a pro game. It was like crazy. It was like diving for the ball. I mean, it was amazing. So there's 45 seconds left. They're up by one goal, and and the offense is coming down the field, and they are they are knocking. And this guy is saving things left and right. So all of a sudden, 45 seconds left, a shot goes in, he moves to the side, and you kind of got distracted because the ball ended up, you got punched out and it got over here. And then all of a sudden, the entire stadium goes quiet. And I'm like, everyone's like, what's going on? And the goalie's laying on the field. And I'm like, okay, he's hurt. And then all of a sudden, you start realizing it's bad. It's really bad all the team, the players immediately start crying. They're, they're weeping, I mean, full grown men are weeping and you can hear, again, it's quiet in the stadium. They're all weeping, <gasps> oh my God, right? All of a sudden, this kid's mom is in the stands, runs down to the field. They're holding her back, she's weeping. We're like, what is going on? And they just have a bunch of paramedics that are around him and it's like, is this kid dead? Like. We waited for somebody to show up for 30 minutes. The inti- I have never experienced anything like this. Complete and utter silence from hundreds of people in a stand. No one's moving. The the, 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 the uh, opposite team is gathering around the GCU players, and they're like praying over them. We're like, what is happening? So, as an audience watching this, we feel completely helpless, but there's something inside of us going, something has to change. Like, some, where are the paramedics? Where what is going on? The response time, where are they? And they're nowhere to be seen. We're listening for these sounds to rescue this guy that everyone seems that nobody knows what's going on. So all of a sudden, we see, we can hear the fire department. And they They pulled their truck up on the wrong side of the field all the way. So the goalies all the way down here, they're parked way away. And we're all going, what are they doing? This is so stupid. So all of a sudden, the paramedics start walking out of the fire truck on the field. And one guy goes, run, run. And then all of a sudden, all of us who have been sitting there, who have had, we we felt completely helpless are like, Run! So everyone is yelling at the top of their lungs, these guys that are just kind of walking. Run! You know what they were saying? Mercy! Have mercy on this guy who is dying. You're just walking. He needs you to run. And as I was, watch, as I was watching that, I realized I'm the guy on the field. And that Jesus ran to me, had mercy on me. In the midst of my depravity, in the midst of my sin, he met me and he saved me, not because of anything that I did. It was a free gift that he gave to me. And it was this gospel narrative played out right in front of an audience. And I don't know if many people got it, but I did. And my soul just went... You ran to me. The father runs to the son and he kisses the son and he hugs the son and he restores the son back home. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you. And this is what David's like, I forgot that. I forgot that I have a God that loves me. A God that said that he is for me and not against me. A God that said he is behind me and before me. And he is with me, even to the ends of the age. He'd forgotten that. And the culmination of that beautiful moment that David has is in Jesus Christ, that we now live on the other side of Resurrection Sunday. But what does it mean to live in resurrection life? The Easter isn't something that happens once a year. It's something we experience in our souls every day. That's why David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Take not your presence from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. That's why. And this is what he's inviting you to do too. And I know confronting our sin is not like a real popular thing to talk about. But I think right now. People are real tired of this kind of fake Christianity where we just tippy-toe around sin and pretend like it's not destroying everything and ourselves included. And now we need to face ourselves and repent. And the promise is that he will make us new and has made us new. Repent and be restored fully and move forward in the calling that he's given to you. It is my great honor to be here with you. And I really do mean, I, I really wrestled with whether to bring this to you because it's heavy, I know. And the last few talks I know have been heavy. It's like, shoo. But I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the reformation of the church is here and is on its way and we're all a part of it. But it's going to start not with the institution, but with the individual. And so allow for this renewal to happen in your life. And I promise you, that's where it will move forward, the institution. Amen? Let's pray. All we have, all we need is in you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that covers a multitude of sins. Thank you for the promises that are all throughout your scripture that you will never leave us or forsake us. That nothing can separate us from your love. That we are not just friends of God, but we are beloved. That we are not people of wrath, but people of restoration restored, that you love us and you see us and you know us so intimately, so deeply. Teach us to know you more and to receive this grace and this mercy, this gospel good news that you have given to us. Thank you for each one of these workers who are sacrificially stepping into ministry and serving you. Father God, would you meet them in their places of desperation, meet them in their places of hurt and pain, and restore to them the joy of their salvation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen.